0: This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, Luke Mwila and Andy King from Rancher drop by to discuss Kubernetes orchestration and making your life simpler.
1: Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah.
2: NetApp. I love this company. Sipok. Sipok.
1: I love NetApp because it's so funny. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Hello and
0: welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today, I have a couple of special guests from Rancher. Uh, With us, Andy King is here. Andy, what do you do
2: at Rancher and how do I reach you? Hi, so um, I'm a partner solution architect. Uh, I live in Ipswich, UK. Uh, What does that mean? So I'm covering the MSP division um, and I look after MSPs in EMEA um, for managed specializations, So I'm supporting um, MSPs looking to create services in Enterprise Linux, SAP, Kubernetes, Edge Technologies. And if you want to contact me, probably best to get me on my email, which is andyking at Sousa.com, or you can grab me uh, on LinkedIn. uh, If you do a quick search for Andrew King hyphen one, that will find me very quickly.
0: All right. Excellent. We'll also include those links in our blog. Uh, also with us today, Luke Muila is here. So Luke, what do you do and how do I reach you?
1: Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Luke Mwila, or Luke Mwila, uh, and I'm a senior technical evangelist at Susa. So I uh, focus on providing enablement around uh, cloud-native technologies and the cloud-native community, as well as just helping out with our uh, software stack as it pertains to cloud-native technologies from Rancher and all the different tools around that particular ecosystem, um, as well as uh, new vector and solutions of that like. And so if you want to reach me, you can do so on various platforms. You can reach out to me on Twitter, um, in which case you could search for at uh, Luke and then the number nine I N E. I know it's unnecessarily complicated, um, or you could search for me on LinkedIn Demuela, and you could feel free to do the same um, with YouTube. And um, I'm also part of our SUSE and Rancher Community Network. That's actually the best place for engagement um, with uh, if you just want to reach out and chat further.
0: So you, you've all pronounced it Sousa. I've always pronounced it Susie. I guess I've I've been wrong all this time.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a great video of how to pronounce. Uh, you actually yeah. have a video for this. That's, a, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we do. Let's, let's, let's add that in the link. Um, let's, let's put yeah. that out there. It's, it's a great video. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quite comical. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it will teach you how to say it.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like us saying, we're net app not net app. <laughs> ah, right <laughs> all right uh so um you know speaking of rancher and speaking of susa uh so i understand that susa acquired rancher a-, a while ago so can you kind of give us some background into that as well as what rancher is
1: obviously the the background or history of susa is uh, one in which the focus has been in the uh, linux enterprise space but obviously it's an open source um operating system and uh just obviously with the trajectory of um cloud in recent years and um susa was able to get more involved in that space um, specifically from a cloud native uh, perspective considering um the great work that was being done on the rancher side of things so rancher being um a kubernetes cluster management platform which is uh, kubernetes being at the heart of the cloud native space and so um, with susa acquiring that you essentially have um, two great worlds that come together um, and that obviously propelled uh, SUSE to immediately become one of the top providers when it comes to um, open source solutions in the cloud native space. All right. So it sounds
0: like uh, SUSE wanted to have a cloud presence. And, and one of those ways to do that was to acquire somebody who's done that for a while.
2: And that's one of our key messages is innovate everywhere. When you look at the, the SUSE yep. stack or the, the um, when we look at Rancho, we call it the cube cake is the ability to, to innovate um, everywhere, right? So it's it's from uh, the data center or, or even from your laptop. So development from your laptop with Rancher Desktop, um, from the ability to, to do that in the cloud, to data centers, um, to branch, to edge, uh, near edge, far edge with K3S, uh, that's always been at the heart. So it was a good acquisition um, and the synergy yep. is there um, and, and why, That um, you know, it's a key message. So as a software stack, Um, It's allowing for teams to adopt containers quickly and rapidly, um, you know, removing the complexity of security challenges. Um, When we look at um, the traditional aspects of enterprise management, uh, Kubernetes has always been seen as a difficult uh, challenge or a difficult difficult product to to, to grab the bull by its horns. Um, So we allow and give that ability to manage multiple Kubernetes clusters uh, you know, providing DevOps teams with integrated tools to run co- uh, container workloads, uh, just bringing that enterprise feel that, for me, uh, two years ago, was was a scary and daunting thing to be, you know, taking, taking it on. Um, you know, having that, that dashboard, having, having all that integration, being able to do development in any scenario and that having that adaptability is very important.
0: So, so the name rancher kind of makes me think of that pets and cattle analogy, right? So is this kind of that kind of mentality where rancher comes in is, is hand, you know, kind of herding all that cattle and trying to handle the containers and handle the orchestration of all these environments.
2: Spot on, spot on. That's exactly
1: what it is. Absolutely. Yep. And, um, so we had a, a social, um, online gathering Uh, last year, we usually do this in the Sousa and Rancher community network. And uh, this one was just uh, celebrating the Sousa um, Rancher release version 2.6. And um, on that call, we had uh, someone from the community actually say that what they love the most about Rancher is that it makes Kubernetes usable. And I don't think there's a better compliment and just piggybacking off what Andy said, you know, Kubernetes is hard. And the cloud-native landscape is vast and trying to wrap your head around it is is more of a journey and it's difficult. So um, the goal is to simplify that. And if you have a a platform like Rancher that um, solves a lot of those issues and complexities, um, especially if you're trying to do Kubernetes at scale in an enterprise context, then um, that's definitely a, a big win.
0: Yeah, I've I've kind of started this journey myself. I've moved into a new role where I'm doing more with the Kubernetes space as well as what we do with our NetApp Astra platforms. And I've I've started it out by trying to deploy Kubernetes from scratch, right? Trying to do it by myself. Yep. Basically trying to approach it like an admin would, would approach it, you know, if their boss tells them, "Hey, go give me Kubernetes." And they're like, "All right, cool, I'll go do that." And then, you know, they're used <laughs> to doing these things maybe not even reading documentation, just diving in. And what I'm finding is <laughs> that is not the way you want
2: to do it. <laughs> and Justin, look how we got in contact, right? I, I saw your blogs uh, and I said, why are you doing all that hard work? Why? Why?" <laughs> uh, just just have a look at Rancher and we got talking um, and, you know, it's just removing a lot of that complexity uh, when you're yep. looking at how you can deploy it, you know, all of the different CNCF versions, whether you want to use hosted communities whether you want to use virtual machines, whether you've got virtualization, hypervisor, uh, whether you're trying to do it locally on your desktop, uh, you know, just remove all of that complexity, whether you want to use Terraform, Ansible, to provision uh, clusters, whether you want to do Kubernetes, ADM, COPS, uh, Kubernetes the hard way. Uh, you know, when I was going through my certification, it was Kubernetes the hard way, right? And I realized, how am I going to consistently do this? I had to look at tools. I looked at Ansible, great. How do I then allow others to to manage that cluster? How do I uh, provisioning and add rollback, um, you know, provisioning or um, administration into into that authentication? How do I then spin up for demos, for POCs, uh, run production workloads, do migrations, look at scenarios, adding different tools, app catalogs, um, you know, just going out and doing, you know, vanilla Kubernetes is hard, really hard. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, the the and, you know, the initial impetus for that blog was I, I meant to make it hard, right? I knew that doing that was going to be hard, and that I wanted to really understand where those challenges were, so I could because when you know the challenges, you can kind of speak to why it's important not to work with that because it's easy to say, oh, just use a deployment method like Rancher or just use GKE, and it's like then the customers are like, well, why? But now you can say well, this and this and this are why. You know, this. it's hard and this is why it's hard. So let's talk about why it's hard. What are some of those Kubernetes challenges that you see out there? And, and how are, is Rancher really
2: solving that? Just making that easy. Uh, security and policies and user management is is a headache as well. Um, that's another factor. And, you know, consistent access to shared tools. Um, when you look at our certified um, partner lists and, and people we integrate with, our reference architecture—we're removing all of that headache, um, and it's just allowing for CNCF-certified Kubernetes deployment uh, to be ease, to be ease at ease. Um, and this, in, because I work on the MSP side, uh, you know that's very important. Um, it's integrating into the tools that they already had in their environment, in their infrastructure, their data center. Um, is bringing some of that integration in, um, making sure that you still have that enterprise. Um, uh, cluster operations, you know, policy management, user management, shared tools, etc. So logging, monitoring, access control—all of those providers—we've we've done the hard work to make sure they're integrated, right, and remove all of that complexity. Um, that when you look at uh, vanilla Kubernetes, you have to bring in and, and test those tools and see if they work. And uh, between the different clouds, they've got different uh, tools, so they don't all work together. So we we kind of bring that all together as a manager of managers. Um, and, and remove single plane of glass and remove all of that complexity. That is, that is a challenge and, and you can you can get caught in the weeds and, and and spend months trying to provision a cluster and from the MSP world is very important. You just need to, uh, we have consumers we have producers. We're the producer, we've produced a Kubernetes or Rancher as a Service uh, and consumers, the clients and end users need to just consume the service. And that's why the, the cloud providers do so well because they've removed all of that complexity. Um, but then there's yep. still that hybrid cloud to talk about, right. Um, where you're, you're going between different verticals back to our message again, innovate everywhere. Um, how do you do that across, um, different verticals, different, um, technologies, um, different, um, uh, spaces, uh, to edge to the data center, etc.?
0: Yeah. One of the challenges I was noticing when I was digging into this was there's a lot of resources out there and because this is an open source project, you you're you're not really going to get a consistency across the board. Sometimes people right, abandon right. the stuff they've stood up, like the one I was using like I could tell it hasn't been updated in 2 years, right? And it was spinning up a cloud instance and I didn't really want that. I wanted it on prem and it was just you know a lot of a lot of hidden bombs in there, <laughs> right? Um and then, you know, have, having something like a rancher or other deployment method, it's it's maintained by someone and it's not it, you know it's constantly updated. It's not going to be you know, left alone after a while because somebody's moved on to something else. Right.
1: And um, yeah, just to add on to what Andy said as well. And um, I think, uh, Justin, when I consider what you've shared, you know, one of the challenges with, um, with Kubernetes as well Um, It's great that it's open source, that's low barrier of entry, Um, but you're also overwhelmed by all these resources out there to get started with it. And um, we've actually had um, some great sessions online with um, Q&A sessions, that is, um, with people sharing that this is one of the things that overwhelms them the most. And so, um, yeah, in the and Rancher Community Network, one of the things we emphasize on is trying to create a journey for people. Um, You know, how do you get from a place of complete novelty to a point where you can be uh, a competent Kubernetes um, operator or administrator and um, depending on what your goal is, you know, that could branch off into different things and so. we actually have a free course, Introduction to Kubernetes. And um, one of our goals with that is to help people understand um, the questions that they should be asking, even when it comes to Kubernetes. Uh, what problem does it solve? Why should I be interested in it in the first place? Because you don't want it to uh, give people the idea that this is a silver bullet for every kind of uh, use case um, for that you're trying to use software to solve. And so um, when people start to understand those things, it makes it a lot easier to also just know the, the direction that they should be moving in. When it comes to working with Kubernetes as well. So from understanding the architecture, um, and then seeing whether or not you're going to be operating and administrating a Kubernetes cluster or if you'll be developing applications for Kubernetes. And so having a journey with understanding a journey that helps you understand Kubernetes um, simplifies things a whole lot. Uh, Because then it also helps you understand what tools in the cloud native space you should probably be investing time in and and interacting with and using. Otherwise, you get overwhelmed because there are new tools coming up everywhere, which is great for the ecosystem as a whole. But if you're an individual um, who doesn't know the why of what you're doing um, of your particular Kubernetes journey, it just becomes very overwhelming.
2: Yeah, take a I'd, look at the cncf ahead landscape ahead. that's a a good um a good picture to show when you look at the cncf landscape um right. you know there's there's a lot of uh logos there um and that can overwhelm yep. you, you know, when you look at the choices whether it's being around networking container registry uh storage you know there's 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 a lot to, to take on board right and you need uh someone to have done all the hard work and, and try and assist you and steer you and say uh, these are free good products. You can make your choice. Uh Sousa is an open company, interoperable. It's about making choices for today and tomorrow, um, and having that flexibility and agility um and not as as of what you've seen is is making a choice and two years later someone decides not to contribute to it. What do you do, right?? right. Um, move on something else. Yep. How do you how do you navigate that path? Um, that's that's very important. Um, and we, and we've we're over the chasm of 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 Kubernetes being the new kid on the block, right? Um, right the report um for 2021-22 uh, has come out and that's showing that all applications 95% of applications are being containerized no one's doing traditional um applications anymore um uh, you know 79% of users of using certified kubernetes hosted platforms uh the stats just speak for itself right
0: so i want to go back and Kind of unpack what you were hinting at earlier, where you know you were talking about if Kubernetes is even what somebody needs, right? So I understand yeah. that this happens a lot with with tech buzzwords. You know, it, it happened with oh, yeah. DevOps. It happened with OpenStack. It happened with a lot of you know things that kind of tie in together. Containers, and in, in addition to that, um, and these are all <laughs> kind of intricately intertwined with uh, the Kubernetes yeah. story. So when when do you tell people to to not use kubernetes i
1: mean we we can talk about
0: why we would, we would use it but when do you not yep that's a
1: great question um and i think it all starts with um the problem definition what problem are you trying to solve uh, but you also have to consider how you want to solve it and if there are any constraints around how you solve it right and um in my particular context um there's a lot of uh, excitement around the microservice the microservice architecture which is great um, but now when you have a problem like um, uh, there's a certain message that gets put across or a narrative rather that microservices equals containers and i'm not the biggest fan of that um, because you don't need uh, you know they're not the same thing even though your the typical journey would be that you will containerize your microservices um, because the problem that that creates is um, if you have you um, you know, a team or a company, and they, they feel that the best way for their solution is to actually have a microservice architecture, they believe that the journey that they have to take is containerized. And if we're going to containerize, then we need to go with Kubernetes as well for orchestration of those containers. That may not necessarily be your logical path. Um, If there are constraints um, and and the constraints vary um, from an operational perspective, from a costing perspective, uh, from a skills perspective, um, it might be easier to still have a microservice architecture. But what if you could just have those microservices as cloud functions, you know, on demand functions running in the cloud? And so those are things that I think have to be considered as well. and um, you certainly don't want to undermine the challenge of administering a Kubernetes cluster. You know the skills side of it is a very big thing as well. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into um, configuring your cluster, but not only that. And that that's that's a responsibility that falls more on the side of your your DevOps and your SREs. Um, but your software develop your software developers who focus on the application are also going to have this uh, a shift in their workflow. Uh, they have to now be able to design their applications. From a cloud native perspective so that's also a change in the workflow for them so you have to ask the questions of are you prepared for this kind of journey and all those uh, cultural shifts and the technical shifts that it will have on your particular context Um, otherwise if it is easier which i would argue um, it is to go with having for example cloud functions um, for your microservices then definitely go that direction so uh, i think it all starts with the problem definition uh, how you hope to solve your problem, um, and then you have to consider any constraints around how you're hoping to solve the problem.
0: So as far as Kubernetes goes, I mean, what are you seeing in terms of people using it? Like who's using it? Why are they using it? And how are they using it? And, and how's the growth look?
2: There's definitely a mix. Um, you know, we're seeing, you know, I've, I've had stories of agricultural companies using uh, Raspberry Pis on tractors to 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 get telemetry data, soil density, uh, roots. Um, telemetry data sent back to to clusters to do analytics and and do machine learning and plot the best route uh, next time based on soil density. Um, you know that to, to aerospace to um, in my uh, team for MSPs that are just building services and solutions, looking at use cases for databases of service. Um, functions as a service, container as a service, um, and then offering it out to to their end users, to their clients that have a requirement, um, a use around uh, smart cities and designing. Uh, you know, it's just such a mixed environment to 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 say from from my aspect. It's you know, every industry is looking at it. Everyone's everyone's looking uh, for different use cases, and and essentially that can be machine learning. It could be uh example is sap um for data analytics uh, that we have the capability to to plug that in and and use the kubernetes cluster to 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 do some of that um you know it's the the capabilities uh, are just uh, huge
0: yeah i know i know there's one major story out there that that kind of leverages the kubernetes side of things you know the container focused things is is netflix right so netflix i think they design their own <laughs> deployment method right i think it's called titus or something so basically, they you know anything that you do in Netflix is driven by Kubernetes and containers. It's you know you spin up a movie you want to watch, container spins up, uh, the containers run to track how you're watching things and make suggestions, and you know there's a lot going on in the background and trying to have somebody that can manage all that on their own as a team is impossible. So you need to have some automation built in and some some orchestration. And I think that's where the real value comes into these types of uh, deployments.
2: I think your very own Matt Watts does a presentation or talks about uh, Siri using um, serverless or containers to, to every time you press Siri, uh, it spins up, um, uh, runs a function, uh, does what it needs to do and shuts down, right? Destroys itself as a task. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a simple use case, right? There, there are so many uh, when you think about it. You, need, you just need a one-time task run operation. Um, that, that's a use case for it. So, um, you know, it, it's about having that competitive edge um, and uh, being a leader first to market. And, and is Kubernetes containerization, uh, Rancher, or any other product gonna help you get that edge as a, as a, as a company, right? Everyone's looking to, to be a leader. Um, and looking at new technologies um, to do that um, with with self healing, auto scaling, uh, true cloud native, um, no 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 shackles, uh, no handcuffs, uh, just being able to 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 you know have a Ferrari and run it run it run it on a on a racetrack right um, with as many tires as you can right. It's it's having that ability to just do what you want um, and and do it well.
0: Yeah, what's great about the whole uh, Siri mention is that you it also you can also think about all the times you've accidentally pressed Siri. <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah. like since containers are lightweight and ephemeral and you know you don't care about them once they go away, that's great because if you accidentally press Siri, it spins up a container and you're like, oh cancel that. All right, cool. Let's just tear it down. No harm, no foul there. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean someone's paying the price on the back end. Uh, Someone. most definitely. <laughs> yeah.
0: Someone's always paying somewhere. <laughs> um so you know you mentioned scale uh and i know that with kubernetes clusters you know they can start out small and and start to grow over over time especially as you know you need to add more compute resources how does rancher handle that scale what does it do and how does it enable people to scale without having to think too much about it
2: if you look at our server requirements and and what we've uh, listed as supported in employment size um, we can run up to 150 clusters, uh, up to 2,000 in a large-scale deployment, uh, 20,000 nodes um, on, a, on, a, on a large deployment or a small deployment, deployment, uh, 1,500. Uh, so, you know, we've got the scale. We've got the scale. Uh, and, you know, that's per ranch Management Server um, and, you know, the ability to, to use uh, hybrid cloud. So if it's in your data center with your own uh, physical kit, um, you can run there and the ability to use the cloud providers or use virtual instances from the cloud um, down to, you know, provisioning to a Raspberry Pi, right? We've, this It's the whole message of innovating everywhere. Um, there it really is, um, you know, we're not really restricted um, other than the deployment size. Uh, so, so there is no challenges. Um, you know, do we see customers doing that? Uh, you know, there are some uh, that are reaching uh you know some good size in, in in node sizes um but you know like every every company that you know you test the maximums um and there's probably only a few that ever do that so um you know a lot of customers have work customers have multiple clusters per application uh rather than thinking about nodes and shared nodes they a they cluster per application right so that brings on its own challenges and um best practices, fault domains, um, blast radius, etc. Uh, that, that brings on different challenges on its own. Um, manageability of of, of larger, larger clusters versus smaller clusters, etc. So, um, it's down to the architects to make a decision and test and develop around that and, and see where their boundaries are.
1: That's the beauty of what Rancher's goal is, is to give you the tools to help you to be able to do Kubernetes um, at scale, um, if you can have this consolidated or single pane to have visibility into all of your downstream clusters that you're managing, um, you know, just considering the different examples that Andy even mentioned. So whether you have uh, clusters at the edge, if you have clusters um, running in different cloud environments or in different regions, or if you have hybrid setups, um, all of this can be seen through a single pane, but it it goes a step beyond that because uh, there's several challenges when it comes to doing um, cluster management at scale, Uh, you have to consider um, having consistency when it comes to your configurations, consistency when it comes to security policies and protocols that you put in place, um, managing of users, Um, what happens when you have a multi-tenancy model for some of your clusters, but not all of them. So all of these considerations, and how do you organize um, a single cluster in terms of the namespaces, How do you optimally manage deployments to your downstream clusters? So all of these are, it's a plethora of problems that you have. And um, if you can have a tool that sort of amalgamates um, the solutions uh, that you need in order to not just architect, but also implement um, optimal management of, all your downstream clusters at scale, um, it definitely makes life easier. You know, I don't want to make it look like there are no challenges. Uh, There's still going to be challenges because Kubernetes is still hard. Cluster management um, is still hard. And doing it at scale will be even harder. But if there's something that can make it easier and equips you with all the things that you need to essentially hit some of your goals, or if not all of them, then, um, you know, that's essentially what Rancher is aiming to do.
2: And that's the key message, right, is simplifying it. Um, just making it simpler, uh, making it more efficient, making the operations or the operations team uh, be able to try and sleep at night, right? Knowing that that that, that you know it's it's an easier tool to use, um, and and you know once again it, it's simplified and 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 they have integration with their current infrastructure to to be able to rapidly deploy um, and do that do that with with ease. Um, and you know there will always be there'll be always be others that want want to have more uh, control, uh, want to turn the, the dials themselves um, and use uh, various other tools to do that or, or implement it in a different way. So part
0: of the challenge with a Kubernetes cluster is how to present the backend storage, right? So when you're standing up these containers such as Siri, when you ask Siri a question it has to be able to query data somewhere so it's got to attach a volume or attach a backend storage device. How does Rancher handle that, and what, is, what are some of the best ways to handle that back-end storage for Kubernetes? Is it using SAN? Is it using NAS? Or is it using Object? What are you seeing out there?
1: So you have uh, different approaches uh, to this, um, but uh, one of the ways that uh, Rancher is, is tackling it is um, uh, you know, their features and Rancher that allow you to be able to make use of uh, block storage um, and just leverage the storage solutions of um, either the nodes or external providers as well from your cloud providers, be it um, AWS, uh, GCP, or Azure, so that you can essentially tap into that uh, storage for your stateful applications.
2: And there's a list of, um, you know, including yourselves of, of of storage providers, right, that have CSIs um, that can that can help around that um, and distributed storage, software-defined storage, um, to distribute storage um, using uh, local disks um, or external providers to, be to then um, produce or, or provide uh, storage classes or persistent volumes.
0: So you know, naturally, you know, we're NetApp, so we like to talk about how we tie into us, right? So how does, how does Rancher fit into the NetApp ecosystem, you know, especially the data fabric portion?
2: So I think we've got some synergies in, in message. Uh, the innovate everywhere data fabric um, is very important. There's 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 a big shift in uh, database as a service, backup as a service, uh, being able to, to have that uh, centralized view of all your clusters and being able to backup and, and provision storage to them. Um, you know that you've, you've NetApp have gone down that direction, um, and the ability to do that in, in you know the, the top three hyperscale hyperscalers is is very important, um, and we're and we're seeing the same uh, trajectory for 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 Rancher as well as NetApp are seeing that as well. That um, you know simplicity once again, um, single single view, uh, being able to to run stateful applications um you know full life cycle management of databases backing up your databases um you know some providers or some consumers want to move away from RDS or Azure SQL and have and um, you know where the industry is going at the moment stateful applications being able to run databases uh, locally is important and um ONTAP is NetApp is allowing um, you know, uh, Rancher users to do that, right? Um, that's, that's the important message is allowing them, giving them the capabilities to do that. Um, and that, that's very important for them to get persistent storage, to get snapshots, to reuse existing hardware that they might have, or use uh, Astra data store, which is, you know, still in preview, but coming out, etc. cetera. Um, but to use the, the Astra control plane to be able to back up your services um, any between any clouds uh, is very important.
0: So you mentioned Astra data store um, and that's that's you know in public preview now. I don't know if you've had a chance to play around with it, but what are your what are your thoughts on using something like Astra data store versus like an ontap or a, an Azure NetApp files or something along those lines? What are the the advantages and disadvantages of each?
2: So for myself, storage backgrounds uh, very important. Um, storage as a service, um, from a Kubernetes cluster, uh, provisioning storage or PVs to other, uh, clusters, uh, is a win in the MSP world. So building services and offerings using, uh, let's call co- let's call it HCI. Um, so you're using commodity hardware that you already have or building out storage within, uh, a cluster using local disks to do that, um, is, is gives, gives MSPs flexibility and MSPs that are already uh, within the NetApp program as well and having the ability to, to utilize their existing storage or create a software defined, very important. So where you have your uh, untapped cloud services, et cetera, um, MSPs want to be able to build that themselves and manage that. Um, so consumers of Kubernetes um, being able to get the same feature set that they used to in the, the FaaS systems as an example, but having that in Kubernetes and having that same um, view or or training, especially for me, someone who who knew NetApp quite a while ago, um, and then moving that into Kubernetes, I can bring those skills across. Uh, The storage admins can still do storage in a traditional world and they can still bring those skills into kubernetes which is very important so being able to upskill themselves into cloud native world and still being able to do storage in kubernetes uh is super cool
0: so is that basically just you know ads offers less of a learning curve as opposed to using something that's on tap based
2: definitely it's definitely reducing that um you know that that Everyone's simplifying. Storage has become simplified, right? API driven, um, and Kubernetes, I believe, has done the best job of that with storage classes. Right? It's defining the back end and saying the amount of replicas, HA, um, what type of profile it might be, how fast is it going to be, etc. Right? We was doing that many moons ago um, in, in in traditional storage world, and now you you know, you shift that into Kubernetes, and you don't have to worry about the back end. Uh, so much, and it's a bit more automated. Uh, definitely, those those skills just um, are, are cross skills that you can bring, um, and and still keep storage uh, skill sets, but just within Kubernetes, right? And and you you still be able to go back and forth between traditional and cloud native, being able to operate in different clouds, whether it be uh, AWS on traditional or infrastructure as a service, to then fall back into Kubernetes. To then go back to your on-prem virtualized environment, um, you know, having those skills, uh, cross skills uh, keeps 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 everyone uh, interested and 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 definitely keeps uh, makes it efficient. Uh, once again, simplified, you you know, the learning curve is reduced, uh, but it also helps and assists the learning curve because you already know the storage bit; uh, it's a small smaller subset, and then you've just got a layer on Kubernetes, right and um, yes, that still is the harder piece to, to layer on, but at least you've got the, the know-how from the storage point of view um, across cloud, across uh, traditional storage, virtualization, infrastructure as a service, um, hardware, into Kubernetes.
0: So Luke, if I'm interested in trying out Rancher, where would I go to do that? Where would I find more information?
1: Yeah, um, well, aside from the docs, um, you know, I think the best place to to start would actually be to join the SUSE and Rancher Community Network. As I mentioned earlier, it's a it's a space uh, for you to engage and uh, collaborate and learn from other cloud-native practitioners. But also, we provide a ton of different resources in there to help you and equip you not just on your Kubernetes journey, but also with um, SUSE's uh, container management software stack. And obviously, Rancher being um, at the helm of that, uh, no pun intended. Um, You know, we have an up and running Rancher course and uh, the up and running Rancher course takes you from a place of uh, you definitely need to have some of the the fundamentals of Kubernetes. But if you're brand new to Rancher, it will take you through the understanding, the architecture, um, what what problems Rancher solves, all the way through to exploring uh, the different dimensions of multi-cluster management and how Rancher um, can aid you and solve those problems of uh, cluster management in an enterprise context and doing it at scale.
0: All right. Excellent. Um, again, Luke, uh, if we wanted to reach you, how would we do that?
1: Yeah. So uh, you can reach out to me either in the and Rancher Community Network or you can do so on LinkedIn. You just have to use my full name, Luconde Muela. Uh, you can also reach out to me on Twitter, which would be at Luke and then the number nine and then I-N-E. And you can feel free to also subscribe to me on YouTube, in which case you would use my full name again, Luconde Muela.
2: And Andy. Yeah. And if you want to um, reach out to me for any uh, MSP partner opportunities around uh, the use of Rancher, um, you can contact um, or go to our website at Sousa.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, Andrew King hyphen one, or you can contact me via email, which is Andy.King at Sousa.com.
0: All right. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us and talking to us all about Rancher and how it can enable your Kubernetes journey. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Luke Wheeler and Andy King of Rancher for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening.